podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast. Whether you're on a long car journey or you're on a plane or you're tucked away in your workshop or herding cattle on your farm at 6am listening to this right now, as I've seen in some recent posts, which I absolutely love. So thank you. I hope you're all well and having a lovely, lovely week so far. If we haven't met yet, I'm Fee and I'm the founder of She Can, She Did, which for the sake of the next 55 minutes or so means that I'm the one asking the question questions on this podcast and if you're a regular listener welcome back and thank you so so much as always for tuning in once again before I introduce today's amazing guest and trust me when I say that her story makes this a good little episode in my opinion I should probably add to that little zero intro there that zero are offering all she can she did listeners an oh so exclusive code that gives you your first month free with them with a further 50% off their accounting software for a further six months so if you're thinking about joining zero or you're on the hunt for an app that will make that oh-so-dreaded tax return in January a whole lot less stressful, please do feel free to take advantage of that offer by using the code SCSD50, all in capital letters. Anyway, I've known today's guest since the early days of She Can, She Did, and over the past two years, her brand has been on quite a journey. Having launched what was previously known as Whistle and Bango, with two fellow co-founders at the age of 24, Rosie Parks spent four and a half years running her luxury personalised jewellery company alongside a full-time career in marketing, before buying her co-founders out a year and a half ago and going full-time with the business, rebranding to what is now called Florence London. Having previously stepped away from the business for a few months, whilst her old job demanded more of her time however, the business that Rosie bought out 18 months ago was not the business she had stepped away from a few months prior. In her own words, she unknowingly bought debt and a name. From the lessons that particular experience taught her and how she went about repairing the company's reputation and drastically improving the health of its balance sheet in the process, the lessons she drew from her experience working for a luxury boot brand in her early 20s and how she went about applying those lessons to Florence, London, to the impact that running her own business has had on her relationships with family and friends and why she's now learnt to look after and make time for those around her. I'm so, so grateful that I got to sit down with Rosie and hear her story in full and I really really hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Right shall we go with where should we start let's start at the beginning obviously what's okay. your business all about Rosie? So Florence London is an online jewellery company which sells personalised enamel jewellery with a mission to create jewellery that's original great quality and memorable. And they really are they really are original I think. Yeah they're quite distinctive yeah. in their design you see pops of colour and raised lettering and each bangle necklace bracelet that I make is hand embossed so no two pieces are the same mm. so yeah it's quite distinctive. Yeah no I love it it's all in your spare room isn't it? Yeah at the moment yeah I've turned a bedroom into my office and my work studio yeah. so my commute is very small which is great. <laughs> <laughs> no it's so good I, that's what I always love about like creative businesses and I'm always envious of it is that you can kind of tuck yourself away in there and just put like a podcast on or some music and just get in your zone and yeah just spend hours I really me. value my alone time mm. like, I thrive in solitude and that's exactly what I do I go in there I start making my jewelry I put on a podcast that I find interesting 
<coughs> or even one that I don't. I, I, I listen to all of you. Um, even one that I don't, just for background noise, so that you don't fall into thinking, oh my God, I'm so alone, Where, mm. what's going on? Yeah, I'd find sometimes podcasts are much easier to get on with than real people. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, let's go back all the way to the beginning. Where did this idea come from? Because you weren't obviously doing this beforehand, were you? No, I. this has been my first venture and my first thing I've ever done in jewellery. Before I was doing this, post uh, a degree at Oxford Brooks University in business and management, I left and I went to work for Dubarry of Ireland, which is a lifestyle boot company, mm. so expensive leather wellies. And <laughs> having gone through uni working for another brand called Crew Clothing, I had experience in working for two lifestyle fashion brands. Mm. And then I left and I went to work for an alcohol distribution company in marketing. They were a really big company and taught me a lot about how big companies operate, corporate companies operate. Walking into that office of about a thousand people was very scary because mm-hmm. you're just out of uni. All you know how to do is just drink and party and get away with passing exams on no revision. And then suddenly you're slapped in the face by adult world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had lots of experience working for various different companies, but never anything corporate where everybody's wearing suits and the office smelled weird and it was, you have to sit still all day. It was all quite strange. Anyway, so I did that for a year and got experience in the corporate world but still working marketing and then uh, that was in Hampshire and then I realized all of my friends had gone to London I was like mm. okay I need to go to London so just started applying for loads of jobs moved to London without a job and then got a job working for a chain of healthy fast food restaurants called pod food in marketing and I ended up staying there for five years working my way up from communications executive to marketing manager and then covering director of marketing and then I decided I wanted to leave and pursue something on my own. But all the while that was going on, I had had this in the background, working weekends, evenings. I think I was a year into my full-time job in London when I thought, this cannot be the rest of my life, just yeah. working in an office for somebody else. And I thought, how dull. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I need to start learning about how to build my own business. And so... How old were you at that point then, a year in... I would have been 24, 24 five. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was That's a little late because like I had two gap years yeah. before uni and then I had that year after uni working. Yeah, and I started to think about what I could do from there and I was trying to use everything I had learned from the brands I had worked for in the past and everything I was currently learning. Yeah, because I remember when we first met and having that chat about how, was it the Welly company? Yeah. It's so weird that you say Welly and it doesn't sound luxury, but I know exactly no, yeah. the type of boots you mean. But the experience working on the stands at the country fairs and things. Yeah, that really had an impact on me. Um, What what was it about them? So I travelled around the UK going to country shows and when we say posh wellies, they're like handmade from Mm. leather, £350 a pair. And we were selling them to farmers and equestrians and people that just wanted to wear them to the pub to look cool. And Dubarry managed to create such a powerful feeling on their trade stand and I was so impressed at how they could travel around and open the shop from the back of a lorry and people would gravitate towards the stand which looked like an old country home and there were these young girls in there selling boots and these posh guys being all extravagant everyone was drinking champagne and having fun and people would gravitate towards the stand and 
they thought we were selling furniture. They'd mm. walk on there and ask how much it was to buy the rug on the floor. And I said, no, no, we're selling boots. Yeah. And they say, oh, that's cool, I've never heard of you. And you'd see this customer go from having never heard of you to spending £700 on a pair of boots for themselves and their partner. Mm. And then they trundle off and you'd think, oh my goodness, that we've just taken £700 <laughs> from this person because they thought this brand was so cool. Yeah. And I thought, wow, to build a brand with that much power... That's my mission. I really, really want to do that one day. That's amazing. Yeah. And so what was it about jewellery? I have always loved jewellery. Mm-hmm. I love how it celebrates people's high moments in their lives. It's full of emotion. A woman's jewellery box is often her most treasured possession. It's filled with all these memories. Mm-hmm. And That's so true. They all have a memory, don't they, in terms of good jewellery? It yeah. Always, it's they usually of, have yeah. been given to you at a pinnacle time in your life mm. by someone very special and you make a collection and if your house is burning down often people go and they say the jewelry, I take that ring that my granny gave me or that necklace that my father gave me when I graduated or something and so jewelry is very special to me as it is to many women and I wanted I was very conscious that I lived in a small flat in London so I knew that I couldn't go and start making welly boots for example I knew how much storage space they needed I needed something that was just small fairly easy to acquire to find a supplier for and I wanted something that didn't take a lot of risks health and safety wise I was working for this food company I knew how risky it was I knew how small the margins were I didn't want to go down the food and drink route even though it's a passion of mine as well and I love that industry but I wanted a fairly risk-free product I also loved sketching I loved designing so I could easily sketch a range and think could this work it was also something very easy to research I could just mm. get a group of my friends around and say what do you think of this what do you think of this and everyone's got experience in jewelry it wasn't hard to find my customer as well so there were lots of reasons why jewelry made sense and so the process began from there yeah so you, you settle on that obviously it has got such a distinct look so when it came to sourcing the products how did you actually go about making them and then turning that product into a brand hang on there's a few questions in there so like <laughs> sourcing it and then actually once you've got the products and you've made them how did you actually get the brand out there so sourcing it it started with some sketches mm-hmm. which turned into online designs which got sent to various suppliers that I found online at the time via Alibaba. I looked at UK suppliers, Indian suppliers and Chinese suppliers and for the material that I wanted and the design that I wanted, China made the most sense. They were the most responsive, the best price and the best quality. So my original supplier found from Alibaba, contacted them directly. Um, I found someone who was making something roughly similar to what I was looking for. There was no one making what I wanted, but roughly similar. And uh, there's a lot of suppliers in China, and they're all desperate to get British business. So yeah. I've always heard with China, though, that they always want you to order like, shitloads. Yes. Like, you can't just order, can I just have 10? <laughs> yeah, I had to play them off each other and yeah. sort of say, well, this person said that I only have to order 50, and this person said I only have to order... Whatever. So you had luck with that. So I did have some luck with that, That's yeah. Good. You have to pay a higher price, but you just take that hit early on. So I found a supplier who agreed an okay price and a minimum order. I think my minimum, my first order was 250 I had five designs, 50 of each. Okay. Next step was getting a sample to check the quality. So I went through a few rounds of getting samples. That must have taken six, eight months. It took a while. Oh, gosh. And once we had the one sample, 
that was enough to start building the brand. What was it like waiting those six to eight months? Because I just think that I'd be, once you start that process, yeah. I always think like, because I'm just thinking eight months is quite a long time. If you still haven't got what you want, what was it like, the back and forth? Just mentally, like emotionally. It was a learning curve. Yeah. The whole reason I set this business up, I never thought that I would take it full time or it would go anywhere. I did it to learn about process and about business building. I wanted to know how you build a business. How do you build a website? How do you register a name? How do you set up a bank account? So it was all an experiment. So yeah. the waiting was just part of that. Okay, I didn't mind that's it. So good. And during that time, I spent time creating this terrible Instagram account and sketching names and sketching other designs and looking at boutiques where I thought I could be stocked and so I filled it yeah and the whole time I had a job in the background which I was working really hard at so I wasn't sitting twiddling my thumbs being like come on China hurry up China yeah so once I had the sample the name register the name buy the domain and building a website takes a long time so that was all going on in the background it's, it used to be a lot harder than it is now yeah. you used to have to code it and there weren't these off the shelf drag and drop builders that we have now which are amazing that's the thing like my website literally to get it up and running took about two hours yeah, yeah I know just it's, bought a domain, it's incredible bought like a wordpress account yeah. and you're, you're off <laughs> yeah technology these days makes building business a lot easier so yeah and then we had the website got the sample once we had that one sample we'd take everywhere around like meet the celebrity like can you put this on for a second I'll just take a picture <laughs> and take a load of pictures with it and it looks like you've got 50 of them yeah. because you've taken 50 different photos on 50 different people and you just start spreading your brand name planning your launch planning a PR party and so that as soon as that stock arrives you're ready to go mm. that's so funny what you said there like it's so so true it's all an illusion isn't it one of my favorite stories is Jo Malone when she was in New York and she just got everyone she knew out there before Jo Malone was anything to just walk around with a Jo Malone bag in the Upper East Side and yeah. just to create the illusion that like these people were walking around with these beautiful bags, branded bags, and people started saying like, "What? What is that?" And it just caught on, yeah, and they, they were empty. And it's just, I just love that yeah. story. It's, it's so so true. As long as there's like, something coming and you're not lying. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. true. <laughs> just giving yeah, someone yeah. an empty bag. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just getting the brand out there. You said about the PR party. I'm interested in that. This is when Megan Chelsea was kicking off, wasn't it? Yeah. Around that time. And it's like you really cottoned on to that in terms of your core audience, getting the right people in the right room. How did you approach that launch? Because it did obviously make quite a good impact for the brand. Yeah, that launch was a big decision for us. I, at the time, I had a couple of other business partners and one of them worked in that, the media industry. So she was quite well connected and she actually took the reins with this PR launch party and we didn't have very much money to start the business with. I think we started the business on seven grand. and Collectively. Collectively, yeah. yeah. So we just sort of said, okay, what have we got? What pocket money have we got to see what we can do with? And that yeah. was it. So that, that was all it took. And she sort of said, look, I can do my best to pull in this person, that person, that person. And then we need money for drinks and venue hire. So... Luckily, she, we used her contacts and she, she made the whole thing happen. And then behind the scenes, there was myself and another girl making sure the stock was there, the packaging was there, the website was working, the social media was up and running. It's a bit of a team effort and it used most of our money to throw that party, but it was worth it because we were a completely new brand, yet we had all of this content with celebrities wearing it and yeah. it created a lot of trust. 
So I would, if you can afford to do a PR party, I would recommend it. It does create excitement amongst amongst the general public and your friends and family. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like you said, that obviously she used her contacts and it's such a... One of the best pieces of advice someone told me is that when you launch a business, just sit down. You think you don't have a network. You just think, God, I, I don't know anyone. And then it's kind of you sit down and, oh, so-and-so's friend is a lawyer or so-and-so yeah. knows this person who knows this person who can introduce you and it's just like think outside the box and like really take it yeah take that, advantage always sounds like a bit it's not so the word. British. Yeah, yeah yeah but at, at the same time like take advantage of every single contact that you could possibly in the obviously if you go about it in a nice way it pays off in the early days that was what launched the brand and still today I talk to everybody wherever I go about what I do and what I might need at that time. It is a British attitude to think, oh, nobody wants to help yeah. me, and I don't want to what be annoying. Yeah, yeah. They're, so, they're so busy. But actually, people love turning their mind to helping someone else and mm -hmm. to taking it outside of their own day-to-day -day activity. Yeah. And people love to help. It's like flexing that creative, especially if I, I always find that some of my friends in that are still in corporate roles, have been so supportive of things like the mingles because yeah. they can just step out of that kind of corporate bubble and just yeah. have fun for the night and just yeah. kind of like they might that they're, they're quite happy I'm at least they say they are but like helping behind the bar or like clearing away the chairs because it's just it's just yeah, 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 <laughs> it's like it's just you can just have fun with it yeah more. people do people generally they they want to be a part of it part of the story as well yeah. and if your you know if your business takes off they want to be like oh I used to help you know, make themselves feel great. And when they have been great, oh, I used to help with the little parties or I used to promote that brand or take photos. And yeah, I was there from day one. Yeah, <laughs> people love yeah, it. It's great. So the, the brand launches, how did it feel on, on launch night, knowing that everyone in that room was there to support you and your then co-founders? I'm a marketeer, so I was very aware that we were doing it for the content, for the quotes, for the pictures, and I was aware there was a lot of work to do afterwards. Yeah. I wasn't just like, wow, everybody's here, I'm so successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm quite a realist as well. I was like, okay, well, that's happening. Where's the money in the bank? Yeah. Are we rushing off tomorrow to the post office to send all these bangles? And yeah, we sent a few, and it went well, and it generated some momentum, but... It's not the be-all and end-all. There's not, still work to be done after a launch. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of work to be done. But it felt good. It felt really good. It felt real. Mm -hmm. The brand had come to life. We'd made sales. Like, there was this very small start to a business, which felt really good. No, that's amazing. And then in terms of kind of keeping and building on that momentum, you had a job at the time, a full-time job that you were still working your way up in. And, you know, I, I know when you are working your way up in a corporate job, that's, that's intense. And yeah, I'm, it was like, We've spoken before about the kind of it was long hours and it was in. I remember was it your sister? She just said like why. After a while, yeah, I I loved that job. I worked incredibly hard, and I had a great time. I've always been a hard worker and very loyal, and I really enjoyed it. I was very I was perfectly comfortable in my career, which I think is what made the jewellery business better because when it came to taking risks I was like it doesn't matter if it fails I'm quite happy with my job here yeah, so yeah, you had more freedom yeah, yeah so that was really nice I wasn't thinking god I've got to get out of this place come on jewellery business take off because when you're desperate yeah. in marketing it shows yeah. so I we I, yeah I was always quite careful such a valid point 
Yeah. And so I worked, I worked for Everett Hard for a number of years. And I think it was after about four and a half years of having two jobs, which was not good for my health mm. because I was such a hard worker. So I just put it all on myself mm. to work every single minute that I had the energy to do. And I met up with my sister one day, who's a very successful corporate lawyer, a very important job. And my job had been marketing salads and coffee. I took it very seriously. Yeah. And I was good at it. And, and it was going well, as I said, but it wasn't, it wasn't critical. And I met up with her and I was exhausted and we went for lunch and she had been in the middle of this massive international deal. And I sat down, she's like, how are you? And I was like, I'm so stressed out. I'm going around all these shops and I've got a, I can't remember what I was doing. Anyway, I was having a really busy day. Yes. And I sit down and I'm flustered and I'm complaining and she sat back having just escaped this really intense meeting. She hadn't been home for five days. That's how hard she was working. She slept at the office. And she just looked at me, she was like, Rosie, what are you doing? Why are you so panicked? You're, yeah. st- you're putting your entire life into this marketing job for this chain of restaurants. Why? And I suddenly just thought, I don't know, yeah. actually. Because I just, I just desperately wanted to please my bosses. I, was, I loved it. I loved pleasing people and I had a desperate need to, for someone to recognise it, I think. Yeah. Just to get back to the office and someone to say, Rosie, you're doing a really good job. And actually that never happened. And that's probably what made me leave because I just thought I'm busting a gap here mm. and not really getting, I was on a good salary. I was comfortable. I had freedom to run my own department and things, but there was no one just saying, do you know what Rosie, you've done a really good job. Yeah. Thank you for being loyal to this company for five years. And thank you for working as hard as you can and really putting your all into it. Cause I did, I even worked for that company at the weekends. I'd sit there being like, what's the coolest way to market a salad? What can I do? And I just, I just addicted to working, I suppose. But You're a cool girl. <laughs> wicked. I'm really fun at the pub. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so there, there was that one moment where my sister just said, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and thought, Reality yeah, check. I need to leave. Yeah. So, and how, how old was your business at that point? Like, how long had you been juggling the two? I had been doing that for three years. And the business had changed a little bit at that point. I wasn't... At that point, I actually tapped out of it and I passed over the responsibility to, at the time, we had, I only had one business partner by that, that point and I passed over everything to her and I sat her down and said, look, I need to focus on either wrapping things up at my current job or getting a promotion and taking it to the next level. So I'm going to pass this over to you for a while. And she had said, actually, I want to quit my job. I've had enough of it. I'd love to take it on full time. So we sort of separated roles. I said, you see what you can do for a year get what you need from the company and I'm going to take a step back because I'm not feeling great. And so that's what happened at that point. And by that point, the business was three years old. And so then that lasted, I think, eight months or so. What was that like? Like you put three years into something and then you just hand it over? I had to. I didn't have much choice. I couldn't continue working to the level that I had been working. It felt like a bit of a risk, but I was intrigued. Yeah. I trusted this person. I thought she had some good ideas, and I thought, what's the worst that could happen? So that, yeah, that continued for eight months, and then... Was the intention there that you'd go back at some point, or it was very much, I'm, I'm stepping away? I didn't know. Yeah, okay. I didn't know. That's fine, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, so then I continued to work at this job, and I realised that I had learned as much as I could learn. Mm. I was working really hard, I was coming up with ideas, and I was... didn't really have anyone to report to at that time. In fact, it was... For the last three years of that job, I didn't really report to anyone. And therefore, who could I learn from? 
And I don't think I cope very well with that. I like having a guide and I, li- I like yeah. having someone to tell me what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And when you're young in your career, if you don't have that person guiding you as someone to look up to and learn from, you, you don't learn that much. Mm. And I realised I'd learned as much as I could from this company. I'd learned so much because I'd done everything. It was quite a small central head office and I'd had experience with budgets, accounting, mm. campaign management, project management, PR, managing a team, hiring, firing. Yeah, that's what I love about a corporate job like that. Like there really mm. is, as you kind of work your way up, there is that, I don't know, like that big business mindset yeah. and like the stakes are higher almost and I don't know and because I sat high up in my department I worked with the other heads of department for a year and a bit and I went on you know shareholder meetings and I worked directly under the chairman for six months and so I had a lot of I left with a lot of confidence actually and I I enjoyed learning at that level Mm. what was it like then when you walk away from that given that I'm getting the impression that there was like a security in that job. You knew you were good at your job. It was part of your identity almost. If you're putting that much of your time into that corporate job, when that went yeah. and you had to focus back on the business, what was that like? Knowing that there was no longer the kind of regular paychecks coming in, there was no longer all of that time that you'd spent on the corporate job that that didn't exist anymore. Yeah. And you had to fill your time with solely the business. And also... Talk me through going back, like how how that all worked in terms of if you'd stepped away and then you had to go back. I made a very rash decision and I'm that kind of person who will stay in a job for five years, yet if I make a decision about something I want, I just, I throw out all rationale and I just go, I'm changing, I'm switching up. Mm -hmm. I'll like press reset. And there was, I had a bad few weeks at work and for various reasons, I had lost respect for the company and the people who I was working with. Some of them, particularly one. And there were various reasons why I wasn't enjoying working at that company anymore. It wasn't growing anymore. I lost respect for some people. I felt restricted. And in the background, I had this little jewellery business which was being run by my business partner. And I'd check in on it every few weeks. And I just saw things I didn't like. But I'd said to her, you can do what you want to do and I'm just going to stay quiet. Sort of knowing that we had quite different opinions on where the business should go. Anyway, I saw things going on that I didn't like, from the style that was being portrayed for the business, the designs, the communication, and there were like sales going on, which I didn't like. And I just thought, you know what, I'm sick of London, I'm sick of this job, because I'm a country girl at heart, and I, I had been living in London for five years, and I really wasn't enjoying it anymore. I'd gone through the excitement at the beginning of whining and dining and the restaurants and dating and going out the time. And after five years, I was sick of London. It was too busy. It was too stressful. I didn't like the job. And I thought, I just want to leave London and I want to leave this job. And how do I do that? My solution was, I'm going to take on my jewellery business full time and I'm just going to leave and I'm going to live with my mum and I'm just going to take a year out. I've worked really, really hard for many years and I need a break. And so I just called up my business partner and I said, look, I want to give you this much money for your part of the business. Are you going to take it? We met up. I offered her everything I could afford. And savings from the job? Yeah. And she said yes. We did the paperwork. I packed my bags and I left London. And oh I was like, God. that's that, I'm done, I'm free. Because at the time I just saw freedom and yeah. green grass and relaxing and I had been so stressed and it wasn't good for me so that's what I did I just I just hit reset 
and got what I wanted. Wow. That's when I went full time with it, and that's when it all got more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, grass is not really greener. Um, no. But, 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 but I do definitely think you walked away from something that was making you miserable, which is all I think so brave because so many people just keep, you know, their head down and just stick at that. And yeah, I just think that that's. I think. In your career and in your life, you've got to look for the opportunity and not the money. Mm -hmm. And this I saw as an opportunity. Yeah. It could be a disaster. If it is, what have I lost? A bit of pride. And I've learned a few things. If it's not a disaster, there's everything to gain. But I think when you're making these decisions, you've got to see where the opportunity is. It can't be about money. Some of my friends who are earning the most are the most unhappy. Yeah. yeah. And I do feel if, if you're a creative person who likes taking risks and being slightly unstable and throwing caution to the wind, then you will thrive if you mm. do something like this. Yeah, yeah. And especially if you're quite a proud person, you mm. don't want to turn around and say, oh, it didn't work out because I was a bit of a fool. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a Steve Bartlett quote that I shared the other day, and literally, I love it so much. And it basically, the gist of it is that so many people aren't going to have the life that they dream of because they're too focused on trying to pretend that they already are and it's just kind mm. of that really always resonates with me because it's just you have to take those risks you have to walk away from those big salaries that aren't making you happy sometimes yeah. and just do what you've got to do yeah as long as you've got enough passion i don't think anyone should go oh god as i've long got this idea yeah, 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 and i think <laughs> it's gonna go somewhere I'm so just gonna try it. <laughs> yeah you've got i mean i had been doing this for three years before yeah. i made that rash, rash decision, I knew about the industry and I knew how to run a business. So there were things that I had yeah, under yeah, my belt before I did it. it I would fast. never quit a job to start from nowhere. Like me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so true. And like, but that's just me. No, and, and that's the thing. Is like, I always say, realistically, what I did 100% the, like it worked for me because once I've got an idea in my head, I can't compartmentalize. I've got to just go for it. But uh, equally, my whole lifestyle genuinely just flipped, did one eighty. Mm. And I, I, you know, if you've got kids, you can't do that. I didn't earn money for eleven months. My savings ran out a, a few months in. My sister paid my mortgage for a few months until I started earning money. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't suit everyone, and I'm so lucky that. Carrie stepped in with that, yeah. but equally I was more than happy to give up that lifestyle so that I could do mm. this, but it, yeah, it certainly everyone. I mean, I was very lucky that I could move in with my mother and turn one of her rooms into an office. Yeah. Not everybody has that. Not everyone can just think, oh, I'm just going to move to the country forever. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, I mean, that might be fr frustrating for people to listen to me say, I'm well aware of that, but everybody does have evenings and weekends and you can build a successful business on the side from your home. This podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. You're now um, in the countryside, you're at your mum's and you're on your own with this. You're solely responsible for the business and the first three years, not only did you have a job, but you also had two other co-founders there to kind of support mm. you in it together. What did that responsibility feel like and what were your steps to kind of take the business to the next level? In the beginning, it was a euphoric 
I'm free, I've got this business, it's all mine. I think I actually bought it. I told myself it was my 30th birthday present to myself. Oh, I love it's that. Like, this is my gift, this is new me. <laughs> my sister's just booked um, the base camp to Everest for her 30th. Oh, wow. So I feel like I think you hit 30 and you do something like radical. Yeah, <laughs> crisis. Yeah. Buy a business. <laughs> so at the beginning it was really exciting and great. And then I think I was two weeks in after just moving my stuff and settling in back at home. I was two weeks in and when I went on a whim that one day and said, take all my money, give me your shares. I hadn't sat down in a meeting before that and said, can I look at the sales and the accounts and stock and like, I want to see if this is something I can do. I just wanted it done. So there were two, it was two weeks in and I was looking through everything and I just thought, this is not the business that I left a year ago. This is a very different business. What on earth has gone on? And I was getting calls from the bank chasing debt. I was getting calls from customers complaining about orders that had never been delivered. There was no packaging. There was hardly any stock. There was the, the revenue had halved since I'd last looked. And I just thought, A, oh my God, what the fuck have I bought? And B, how has this happened? And, I, and it was negligent of me. It was a silly thing for me to have done. And I remember just sitting in my car. This was just after I had a call from the bank just saying, where's this money? And I was like, what? What money? We don't have debt. I didn't. I never agreed to a loan. And and my accountant had been in touch and said, "What what's going on? Why have you deleted all these transactions?" And there had been some fiddling going on. And I was shocked. And I just thought, "This is not what I expected." And I was sitting in Cranley in my shitty car, all I could afford, in the rain. And I just thought, "What have I done?" I love when the rain comes out when you're sad. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What have I done? Why have I emptied my bank account to buy something that is not even a business? I've literally bought debt." and a name which I came up with in the first place what have I done and it was terrible that was my low low point massive, and I was like I mean, as far as low is going that's wow that's what do I do massive. I didn't have any money to pay the debts off there were no orders really coming in it was just before Christmas I was like this is supposed to be like my party season yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I just bought a business people <laughs> yeah it was rubbish and um, so, uh, okay so how did you get out of that because that's as far as like business nightmares go in hindsight you wouldn't do it that again in terms of your check no, accounts that's the advice there I guess I like, do it again yeah but you turned it around so yeah. that's a massive low point how on earth did you pick yourself up from that so I started just working furiously repairing things I actually met up with a few businesses that we'd worked with who had had bad experiences with us like there was a PR company who dumped us mm. in that time I wasn't working and I thought I mean that's bad Mm, yeah, for a PR company to give up a retainer. Yeah. So I went to meet them and I said, I'm really sorry for what's gone on. I don't know. And I just wanted to repair the reputation of the brand. And so I did a few things like that, apologising people, getting in touch with people. Were they comfortable meetings? I'm just thinking for anyone where, you know, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations, wearing that hat, knowing you're going into that business to essentially kind of grovel your way back and apologise. How did you kind of pep yourself for that? I found it okay. Yeah. I'd had many uncomfortable conversations in my previous job, yeah. and I... Just kind of walk in there, Yeah, you just... When you're face-to-face -face with someone, people are very understanding. Mm. So I did a few bits of repair work. I filled my marketing schedule with events and shows and just thought, I need sales and I need them now. But I was careful not to go 
oh, I'm just going to have a sale, 50% discount, mm-hmm. buy and get them free, da, da, da. I wasn't doing any of that. Yeah, I it doesn't fit with your brand fit. or your customer. No, not for a luxury no. jewellery company. And after three months of living in the business full-time, which I had never done before, I just realised this brand name is terrible. I really don't like it. It's got connotations of bad memories. No one understands what it means. I'm changing it. And so I started rebranding the whole company. Mm-hmm. And it was once I'd done that where everything changed. Yeah, yeah. And fresh now, start. yeah, fresh start, fresh look, the ethos, the communication, the photography, the product. I changed everything. And that's why the business is now in such good health. And it was literally three months of slowly but steadily sales growing, positive comments, good bits of press. And that was a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. and it's just been better and better every month since then so I basically built a new company yeah and the thing is it's like we obviously uh, spoke when it was Whistling Banco and we obviously spoke now I I personally have seen like a massive step up in it it just feels like you have overhauled it I don't know yeah well I'm pleased it's it's really good labour of love and And it's yours now I feel like that is there's like you said I think that is where I know full well I'd be the same in terms of clean slate. I I would want to detach myself from like things like that and yeah. just restart. I feel like I've only had this company for a year and a half. Yeah. I forget that there was this other brand name before and all these other experiences. For me, that was a different company. That mm-hmm. was a different time. This is now my company, which you wouldn't recognise compared to the last one. What has that experience taught you about yourself? Do your research. (laughs) Don't trust anyone. It's taught me a few things business-wise. Interesting, actually, the rebrand taught me... I was so scared of doing it. I thought, oh, no, what about my customers that are wearing brangles that say Western Bango? And what about the reputation I've built up? And will it be affected? What about the loyalty of customers? It didn't make any difference. What people want is to see a smart brand that they can trust and they want to spend their money with because they think it's cool. It doesn't really matter what the name is. The rebrand I thought was going to be really scary. It was amazing. So I learned a lot about branding and customer perception there. Personally, about myself, throughout the whole process, I've learned you've got to be really ballsy. Mm-hmm. I was too polite. Like we said earlier, asking for help, being like, do you mind if you have a look at this picture for me or whatever? You've got to chase people and shout the loudest mm-hmm. and appear at events and talk to everyone. That's hard because I'm an introverted person naturally. So I've learned that I need to be ballsy yeah, yeah. and stern and stick to my values and I always call it you know like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce when she naturally she goes on stage and she puts that front on because she says that she's quite quiet in real life yeah but I always think that in business sometimes you just have to kind of show up but like it's not not fake you just have to bring out that side of you where it's kind of like no today I've got my business head on then you can go home and and whatever it is I work in solitude quite a lot actually and that's really helped Mm -hmm. because now if someone says Oh, come to this party or come to this event about entrepreneurs or about building businesses. I'm really up for it because I've been in my own all day listening to podcasts and I've got so much I want to talk about or catch up with people on. And so when I get to these events, instead of hiding in the corner thinking, I just want to sit here and drink my drink and not talk to anyone, I'm like, hey, who wants to talk to me? <laughs> Over here, guys. <laughs> so it's actually really, it really helps. Like, yeah. the fact that I now work in a really quiet environment, it's made me much more sociable. It does force you to be, because otherwise you literally wouldn't have contact with anyone, would you? Yeah. You'd just be kind of sat there. And I could easily fall into that pattern. I'd probably very happy, very happy yeah. with it. I probably would. <laughs>
kind of have the, the challenges of obviously weaved their way in there. But I guess on a day-to-day -day basis, what have you found the hardest part about being your own boss? Given that you did say earlier what you did love about the corporate job is that, that you, you crave someone telling you what to do. When you're your own boss, yes, no one's there to do that. Challenges for me have been rejection. I think that every single brand, no matter who you are, will go through rejection daily, weekly, monthly, whether it's an editor or a blogger or the bank, people will say no to you all the time. Mm. Just customers. Everyone who's gone to a trade show, a customer show, who stood behind a stall and a customer's walked past and you've gone, oh, look at what I'm selling, it's amazing for this reason, that does it. And someone literally just goes, I hate it, and walks off. I mean, every, that happens all the time. You get rejected so much. That's brutal. It is brutal. Oh my God. When you're in front of customers, trying to sell that's the hardest thing yeah because you yeah. see the raw reaction 90 percent of the time it's great people are like wow that's such a cool piece of jewelry that's so different it's really unique and there's a 10 percent of people who walk past and go oh i'd never wear that and you think "Ugh, yeah mean horrible person <laughs> yeah. and you, could, you just can't let it affect you you've got to build up resilience to, to a certain extent never to the extent where you're like i don't care about your opinion i'm not listening yeah. i don't like that attitude i think you've just got to be more take resilient take not everyone's your customer are they yeah and always listen to customers even if they're saying something really mean they're still a potential customer who has an opinion so you've got to listen yeah so rejection's a challenge working solo and just having trust in your own ideas and creativity and designs also, I've spent a lot of time sketching things, researching new pieces of jewellery, and I'll come up with something I think is a really cool idea. And I'll show my sisters, and they'll think, really, that's really nice. <laughs> uh, what other ideas do you have? They're like, politely saying no. So, yeah, you've got to trust yourself in your, what you're launching, because you can't just spin around to someone and say, hey, can you just proofread this email? What do you think of this tagline, this pun that I've come up with, which is terrible, and I've probably spelt it wrong. <laughs> and so, yeah, just what making decisions on your own can be hard. But at the same time, it's brilliant fun. I can come up with something I find hilarious to send an email today and send it this afternoon without having to go through the ranks, the ranks yeah, and seek approval. Yeah. And there's no more challenges in what I'm doing now than what I have had in a role. Yeah. Everybody who's successfully holding down a job will probably experience more challenges in that than they will when they go solo yeah. for their business. So, and I, I think also everything that you've experienced in your personal life, by the time you reach your mid-twenties, you've probably experienced much worse things than what you're going to experience in your business. Yeah. You've experienced death, trauma, financial issues, fallouts, university, your first day of school... All these things are harder than starting a business. Yeah. And they also, they build up. I always think that's such a good point. Like, I always think, and one of my biggest pieces of advice for anyone is that you should like yourself before you go into a business because it does test you in so many different ways and you do need to fall back on yourself. But I always think, for me, I fall back on everything I've been through through childhood, through my teenage years, through university, through my old job, and whether it's sporting stuff or school stuff, it all adds up, and it's kind of, yes, I can do this, because I've done X, Y, Z, and it's, yeah, that's such a balance. Yeah, you should have, if you if you experience a low or blow one day, you should have in your mind those moments, those golden moments yeah. that you go back to where you think, oh my God, the feeling I had when I won that race, yeah. or my boss said that I was... Yeah. I don't know, staff member of the week, whatever. You've got to have those moments logged in your memory to remind yourself that you, can do that you think you're great. Mm. Let's move 
move on to relationships, family and friends. You've obviously mentioned your family a bit. How have relationships with those around you evolved throughout this process? And have you seen any relationships swing either way for the better or for the worse throughout this whole process? Family and friends have been crucial from day one with what I've done. At the beginning, when I was working two jobs, it was really difficult and I didn't want to spend time in the pub, going out, being hungover. I mean, I did a little bit, but I didn't want to as much as everybody else wanted to. So I did say no to quite a few things and friends got offended. And it gets to that stage where they're like, we've forgotten what you look like, what are you doing? And, and that was hard, because I just thought, I thought in my mind, well, I'm just working, so that's a free ticket to not have to come to these events. But in their mind, they just think, you're not seeing me. And I didn't realize that, how it must have felt from their shoes. It did have its challenges in the first few years. The other challenge, interestingly, was because I went into business with a friend, I was with them all the time. And my other friends were like, why are you spending so much time with this person and not with us? And I said, I'm working with business partners. Mm -hmm. And that caused some tension because we're always together on Instagram, photos here, this event, that event, parties. And my other friends just thought, we've dumped us. Mm. When I hadn't at all, I just, in my head, I just thought I'm working. So that was hard. But throughout the process, my friends and my family have been amazing. I've lent quite heavily on my sisters, my now husband, my mother, my mother, my, my, <laughs> my mother, mother, my mother, <laughs> my mother. <laughs> She's been amazing. She let me move into her house for a year and yeah. I still use her house as like my storage. Mum's a good she, one, that. <laughs> yeah, she's never said, Rosie. This is getting a bit out of hand. She's always been there and she's, she's wonderful. So yeah, they've been, they've been crucial and I have a lot to thank them for. And when it comes to asking for help, friends are amazing. They always give me, most of the time I think they give me honest opinions, sometimes probably a bit too nice. And generally they, they buy my jewellery and they love it. They're my best guinea pigs because I might have sold them a piece of jewellery two years ago and I'll see them again and I'll be wearing it. Yeah. And they're like, it's still in amazing condition. This is such a good piece. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, they're a continued support who I value That's very, so very highly. Has it kind of got to the point where the ones obviously at the beginning when you... Because I do think that's a common issue that crops up in so many of the interviews when, when relationships, when you're, you are working so hard and, and it's that kind of disconnect or, like, poor communication on kind of both sides. How did you deal with that? I dealt with it quite badly at the beginning. I got really upset. I took it as a personal insult that people thought that I had dumped them to do something else, which I hadn't. And my advice now would be to maintain your morals, be a good friend, you know, be there at their birthday parties, send them messages, give them a call every now and then, just so they know that you're still thinking and that you care. Don't just go radio silent and think, oh, I'm just going to get on with my business. Yeah. And... I literally, I texted one of my best friends from uni the other day, just being like, I miss you, I love you, how are you? Yeah. Because I just realised, oh my God, I'm like, she's such a great friend and I just haven't, I just feel like I haven't mm. been a good friend recently and I was just like, I'm going to just check in on her. Because yeah. it's just like, Communication you get so is key. absorbed in just working and it's so true what you said, like, you know you're working, but there's... Yeah, they don't. And also that's not an excuse sometimes, it's kind of like, so what if you're working, they've got jobs as well and it's... Exactly. Yeah, you just have to remind yourself. Yeah. It's not all about you, Fee. Yeah, <laughs> just because you're setting up a new business and yeah. you think it's the dog's bollocks, yeah, yeah. nobody else does. Yeah, no one else cares. <laughs> Nobody else cares. They just want to see you every now and then to have a few glasses of wine and let off their own steam. Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, maintain, do everything you can to maintain the important friendships to you because 
they, they matter. They really yeah, matter, yeah. And, and in terms of when it all get kind of, given that you work at your flat, what do you do to switch off? I don't find switching off that difficult, actually. I'm quite lucky. Mainly because I don't want to. I'll happily just work until nine o'clock in the evening and really love it. Yeah. I've never felt that I've worked a day in the last year and a half. I genuinely just love it. But you have to have a life outside of work, otherwise you're going to get to age 50 and all your mates are going to be off playing tennis or painting or no, doing something cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you're going to I was at a wedding on Saturday I'm night done. and everyone was, they, like 80% of the people that were there had met through swing dancing and I was like wow. watching them on the dance floor. It was so amazing and I was like, God, I need a skill. <laughs> I yeah. need like a hobby. I know, I'll meet I my friends. Just, and I was in awe. I was like, this that's, is amazing. That's really cool. I'll meet my friends and like, I've just read this book or I've just gone on this cooking course or, and I'm like, oh God, I haven't read a book. I can't remember the last one I read But anyway, I, I go ride, I go horse riding to relax. That's my thing. That's lovely. I ride in London for the Household Cavalry um, as a volunteer, so I do that twice a week. And okay, there's me being like, I don't have hobbies. That's such a cool hobby. It is a good one. That's I'm quite like happy so with that cool. one. Yeah. Because I love, like, I love horses. I ride for the Household Cavalry. <laughs> like, okay, like you win. <laughs> But I, I mean, don't I read books. I don't read books. <laughs> um, so I do that, and I drink a lot of wine. Oh, God. The best. The That's best. Ultimate switch off. It's just a simple one, and I might go for a jog, mm. go for a swim. Yeah, yeah. Just the normal thing. You just fit it in. It, like, make, you make yeah. time for it. No, it's good. Going forward, then. Where do you want the business? Where do you see this going in terms of what's the end goal? I want to continue growing the business fairly organically, slowly, steadily, and not do anything rash. I want to move outside of London soon, and I want to build a home office outside London. I'm very aware that I'm overdue for me to hire a team. Mm. At the moment, I work off project managing freelancers, and that's it's got its positives and its negatives. At the moment, it's what works for me. So I want to build a home office with a small team of four or five people. Everything I currently freelance, I want to bring yeah. under one roof. I am so excited to build a little Florence London family. So that's that's going to be my plan for the next couple of years. Build a team, grow the business, get my jewellery on more people, seen by more people. It's got so much to give. My jewellery is so unique. It's adaptable. It's special. And I think... I won't change my range enormously. Mm -hmm. I add pieces very slowly. Mm -hmm. So I'll grow my range slowly but steadily. And you don't, again, you don't need to. When it's a luxury brand, you don't need loads of products. You've nailed the ones yeah. that you've got. It, they're like kind of staples, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and they've become classics for yeah. the brand. I just make small tweaks to them every year or so I've got. I'm making an adaptation of my current signature bangle, which is my best-selling piece, so that it is more giftable. At the moment, it's a solid round circle people worry about the size so I'm developing that with a hinge so just small tweaks on things that I'm doing but I want my business to, to be a family business I'm not gonna get a load of investment shareholders build it up sell it I'm not that kind of business person yeah. I'm enjoying it I like it being in profit I'm never gonna be that business that like runs off of debt yeah, yeah, yeah. or runs in, in the red Dress you out. no yeah, yeah. and so it, yeah it will always be boutique and I want it to stay in the family I'd love for like if I ever had kids, for my daughter to take it on or son to take it on and for it to just remain. Taken away. Yeah. That's good. Very lastly then, do you listen to the podcast, you know how it works. Being my own boss means. <laughs> Being my own boss means living and working in a part of the world that I've created myself. Love that. Yeah. That's good. When it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to. Create some distance between yourself and the problem. 
go for a walk, take some time, don't knee jerk reaction. Yeah. Have a glass of wine and just put everything in perspective. Mm. I think fresh air is genuinely going for a walk. I get the dogs and I just go yeah. around the field and I'm like seeing an animal was really, really helpful. Oh my god, hundred <laughs> percent. Be more dog. I love O2's campaign. That when you know what would a dog that. do? Be more dog. No you have. No, I haven't. You know, I would 100% dogs just that. don't care what they're doing. They're like, yeah. run into a kitchen covered in mud and shake all over the place. They're like, well, I'm having a good time. Be more dogs. Is that a recent campaign? No, it was a couple of years old. Couple years old. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> if I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself, do more research. Do you know what, though? Before you answer that, even though we joke about them doing more research, you've turned it around. And I do think like that is a classic. You did inherit. You should like, yes, you know, if you put your sensible hat on, you should have looked at the balance sheet before you maybe took that <laughs> on. But everything happens for a reason. You've figured it out and you're in a better place than ever. And I do think like Grant It gave me the drive. It yeah. really put a rocket up my yeah, ass to make it work. Yeah. There's, there is a silver lining, I suppose, to every challenge. Exactly. Every challenge that you come up against is something that helps build your brand in Yeah, more. hugely. So, there's a, yeah, it's just about the way that you deal with it. I interrupted you, though. If I could go back to day one of my business, oh. I'd tell myself. If you're going to go into retail, actually any service or product business, make sure you're working in the industry that you're going to go into. Otherwise, you spend your life working in a job. Let's say you're working in finance and you want to go and set up a kombucha company what I mean what's the point yeah. so if you know at the end of well if you know in two years time that you want to go and work in a handbag and start a handbag company go work for Hermes or Mulberry mm. don't go and work in a cafe yeah. so yeah have a job get some experience in, in the that. industry that you're going to go into that's good if I had to describe myself as a businesswoman I'd say that I am I would say I was quietly competitive mm and intuitive in the sense that a competitive with yourself you keep wanting to get better or better than the brands around you what do you mean i suppose i'm one of four kids and we're each very different Mm -hmm. there's one athlete there's one behavior analyst a lawyer and me and we've always competed against each other i've just grown up with an underlying competitive edge i suppose it's competitive Amongst friends and family, I just want to feel like I'm doing well. Yeah. And then also with other brands, I, I am competitive with other brands. If yeah. I think that there's something I do better, I'll chat about it. Yeah. And I'll sort of be working away on something under, like quietly, and then suddenly be like, oh, I've just done this, I'll make it look really yeah. easy. <laughs> So that. I guess yeah. it's so good that you're like open about that though. A lot of people would hide that. They'd see it as like I'm far too honest. That's what no, I'm doubtful. No, not at all. I <laughs> never, never ever. I think it's a good thing, and it's like it is a strength as well. I think it goes back to that taking advantage of contacts. Yeah. I think being competitive it's, it's a good thing in business in many respects. It depends like where you're using it, but it does. It keeps you driven, I suppose. Yeah, it does. And even when it comes to finding suppliers or getting a good deal with an influencer or something, yeah. you're always going to haggle. Yeah. It's about getting the best prices for your packaging, for your product. Very lastly, I want my legacy to be that. I want my legacy to be that I worked to live, not live to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Like eating to live rather than living to eat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I live to eat. Do you? Yeah, I love food. Yeah, I wanna. Wo- I work to live, so I work to have fun, to travel, to yeah, yeah. Allow me to do things I want to do in life rather than work being 
They be all don't they? Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know what I am. You know, you think about what you I want have to be written there. in your biography. Yeah. You don't want it just to be like Rosie she goes to the office, <laughs> Rosie drinks coffee, <laughs> Rosie goes home, Rosie sleeps, Rosie goes home. No, I know what you mean. Like, ultimately, everyone's kind but of. But we're together. working now, but we're having fun and living life. Yeah, yeah, like, we're doing what we want to do. Good chit chat. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Good. Yeah, been this has fun. been fun. Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there. <laughs>